you're taking notes there, the title of the lesson this morning is The Just for the Unjust. The Just for the Unjust. Now, 1 Peter 3, verse 18 reads, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. On the GAM plan, up until this point, we have been dealing with the truths underneath the heading for God so loved the world. So we started with creation, how the creator, uh, everything that he designed in its original state was very good. And he made this perfect environment uh, for human beings to enjoy. And he gave them one prohibition, one command. And it was their opportunity to prove that they loved and trusted their creator. And by their own choice, choice, they could continue to enjoy the life that God had designed for them. And we saw that sin is more than just breaking some arbitrary rule. Sin is a rejection of God, who is the life giver. And so we looked not only at the nature of sin, but then the consequences of sin. Of course, the wages of sin is death. But then in Revelation, uh, we got more specific and talked about the second death. And so really, we've been looking at the need for the gospel. God created us to have a relationship with him. Our sin separates us from God. And so there's this desperate need uh, for God to provide a way of salvation. And then we get to the next part of John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, my favorite part of the verse. And so in your game plan number three, you don't have it right there, but... Uh, This is the heading, God sent his son to restore the relationship uh, between us and God that was lost. And this verse right here is one of the greatest summaries in the Bible of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. And what I love about it is that in the immediate context here in 1 Peter 3, Peter is urging believers to endure suffering for righteousness sake. And he's encouraging them to do so with a happy and a meek and gentle disposition, uh, looking to the example of the Lord uh, for encouragement. And so the emphasis in this verse is really on Christ's sufferings, and really the whole epistle of 1 Peter is written to help believers (coughs) in suffering. So if you're taking notes, we're looking here at a summary of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus, how he came to earth to restore the relationship that was lost between us and God. Number one, We see in this verse, his substitutionary suffering, his substitutionary suffering. Notice it says, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins. And then later in the verse, it says, being put to death or executed. That's what that literally means, to be be slain, to be executed in the flesh. You know, you will encounter Muslims in soul winning. You will encounter various individuals who try to claim that Jesus didn't really die. Uh, There are various theories, the swoon theory. Uh, I don't know the specifics of what Muslims believe, but they do not believe that Jesus died on the cross. But just like the resurrection, there is an abundance of proof that a man called Jesus died on a Roman cross. And there's no way that someone could survive Uh, what Jesus went through. And so 
he was definitely put to death in the flesh. Uh, But this verse makes clear why he died. He suffered for sins. You're also going to encounter at times with people false views of Christ's death. Some people uh, think that it was just to set an example for mankind of obeying God or, or to demonstrate God's love. And definitely God's love was demonstrated on the cross, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But it was not just to communicate love. There was a, there was a judicial transaction that took place When Jesus died on the cross, our sins were placed on him and he died for us. And so it's very important that we understand Christ's death was a substitutionary atonement. And this verse makes clear it was the innocent dying for the guilty. And all throughout the Old Testament, God had been setting this precedent that as we read in Hebrews 9, without shedding of blood, there is no remission. From the very beginning, even when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, the way that the relationship could be restored, that their nakedness could be covered, which is really an illustration of our sin uh, sin being covered, was for an innocent lamb to be slain and they to be covered with those skins of the innocent animal. And then all throughout the Old Testament, all the sacrifices, it's all to illustrate this principle of the shedding of blood uh, being necessary to atone for sins and the innocent dying for the guilty. That's why in the Old Testament, it had to be a spotless lamb with no blemish. And it pictured how the Lord Jesus would die in our place. Sometimes in soul winning, you will encounter people as, again, Muslims, who say that someone cannot die in the place of another. That is not just. They will say things like that. But we must understand that Jesus as the rightful judge of the universe. He's not like someone sitting in the in God's courtroom off to the side who then steps up and says, I'll take their place. He is the one sitting in the judge's seat with the right to pass down judgment. And so the picture is that he steps down from that place of judgment and says, I will pay the price. I will take the judgment that the sinner justly deserves. And John 10, verses 17 through 18, as well as other scriptures, make very clear that the Lord Jesus died of his own will. He said, no man taketh it, my life from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and have power to take it again. So it's a very just thing for the judge of the universe to willingly choose to die in the sinner's place. And uh, another word for this in scripture, 1 John 2, 2. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. By dying on the cross, Jesus satisfied God's demands for justice. Jesus bore the wrath of God that we deserved in his own body on the tree when he died in our place. Another biblical word that we use for this is imputation. So what happened on the cross is that our sins were imputed or they were placed on Christ. And then when a person believes on Christ, his righteousness, his righteous life, his just life, as the verse says, the just for the unjust, his righteousness is imputed to those who believe on him. And so I, I like how Do, uh, Pastor Wilkerson puts it. When he's soul winning, he'll say to someone, would you be willing to 
let Jesus take your, would you be willing to take God's son uh, because he is willing to take your sin or something like that? And so that's really the transaction that is made. We, we receive Jesus, God's son, and he takes our sin. Now, what I want you to see here as an encouragement for us believers, the context, again, is Christian suffering. And so uh, that's why Peter brings up the Lord Jesus suffering for us. And could you look with me at verse 17 of 1 Peter 3, just before this? He says, It is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evildoing. And we can't do, uh, give an exhaustive treatment of this passage, but here's a, one of the points that I believe Peter is trying to make. We deserve to suffer for our sins. So suffering is something that we justly deserve for all the crimes we've committed against God. We deserve suffering in this life and we deserve eternal suffering. But Jesus came and suffered in our place. So when a person believes on Christ, receives his righteousness, enters into a relationship with God, from that point on, God's intent for them living on this sin-cursed planet is that any suffering they experience, that it wouldn't be for sins or bad choices of their own, but it would be for the Lord Jesus' sake so that he can reward us. And isn't that amazing that because Jesus suffered for our sins, now, as believers, when we suffer for his sake, uh, it's something that will bring ultimate reward. And Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, uh, goes into this. It says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I just think that's a profound thought. Peter's saying, hey, it's better to suffer for righteousness sake uh, for something of which you'll be rewarded than to suffer for your sins. And so it's just an amazing thought there. But in this verse, we see Christ's substitutionary suffering. And then we see, number two, his glorious goal, his glorious goal. Why did the Lord Jesus suffer? Well, the verse says, that he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. And this is why this is such a good verse to use as part of the GAM plan. Because we've really been emphasizing how because of our sin, we're separated from the God who loves us. We are separated from the life giver. But Jesus came, suffered in our place, that he might bring us to God. And you can jot down a couple other cross-references. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 19 says, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So you know what we're doing every Saturday when we go out, every time we have a gospel conversation with someone? We are doing our best to take people who are at enmity with God and to bring reconciliation, to bring man and God back together. Can you think of a higher privilege than that? to help an eternal soul be restored to a right relationship with God. And I love Hebrews 2, verses 10 and 11. It says, It became him, Jesus, or it became him, God, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect 
through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. This is astounding. That God's Son came to earth, suffered in our place, so that we could be made sons, so that we could be brought back to the glory that God always intended for us, and he, the righteous Son of God, is not ashamed to call us wretched sinners his brethren. And so his glorious goal was to come and bring us back into a relationship with God. And then finally, number three, we see in this verse, his regenerating resurrection, his regenerating resurrection. It says that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Quickened by the Spirit. Quickened <laughs> means to be made alive. And it's important there uh, that the emphasis is on that the Holy Spirit of God is the one who raised him from the dead. Because in Romans 8 verse 11 we read, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. And I would encourage you to do a study of Romans 8. The Holy Spirit is given to us. And we read in Romans 8.22, The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Living on the sin-cursed planet, there's a lot of groaning that goes on. Uh, isn't that right, Pastor Odom? <laughs> but we all groan uh, living on the sin-cursed planet. And not only they, the creation, but ourselves also, believers, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. And so, what is it speaking of there? The Holy Spirit is given to us as a down payment, as a, he, he seals us, and He is our daily assurance that one day we're going to be delivered from this sinful body. That one day we are going to get our resurrection body and be glorified and we'll be made just like the Lord Jesus. And in the here and now, we get to enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. His, his working in our lives on a daily basis. And that is just a foretaste of the resurrection and glory that is to come. And so there is so much packed into this verse. Uh, not only to explain to the lost person what Christ has done for them. But to encourage us that our suffering is not... Uh, meaningless, that it has a purpose, that we get to suffer for Christ's sake and he wants to reward us, uh, though we deserve to suffer for our sins. And then uh, we're reminded of God's great love for us in sending Christ to bring us back to himself, to bring us to glory. And then this resurrection that we get to look forward to, the Holy Spirit living inside us,